0: Uh, if you have your Bibles, let's go to the book of Second Peter this morning. Second Peter, chapter number uh, three. If you can get to that address, let me see if I can get my notes open. Second Peter, chapter number three. Uh, when you get to Second Peter, it is the follow-up book to the first epistle of Peter. Uh, and uh, the first epistle many reference as uh, a, an epistle that is filled with meat, filled with meat. Uh, the second epistle is, uh, excuse me, the first epistle is filled with milk. Second epistle is filled with meat, and both are crucial when you look at this. Okay, let me get this open here. Uh, so as I, as I look at this, I had the opportunity to teach this in the la- last hour, and I've actually had more time in the last hour than I have in this hour, and that's okay. So we'll, uh, we'll be okay to get it uh, as much as we can get done uh, and completed this morning. So. All right, right, Second Peter chapter number 3, pick it up in verse number 1. Uh, this second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first that there shall come in the last day scoffers walking after their own lust. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continued as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that, was, that then was being overflowed with water perished. But... The heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Praise God, Bruce. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. You pray with me and for me as we preach on the subject, three absolutes. In the last days. Three absolutes in the last days. You pray with me and for me. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity to gather this morning. We are a needy people. We're a people that just read the word of God. And I would pray that God, if there's one here that does not know you as Savior, that they would get saved before it's eternally too late. We thank you, Lord, for the testimony that we already heard today about your long-suffering, your patience. And I thank you, Lord, that Bruce... Uh, Lord accepted you as a savior. But perhaps this morning, there's one here that does not know where they're going to go if they were to die. I thank you, Lord, that there is an absolute, an absolute that you are long-suffering, you're patient, and we thank you, Lord, for that. We know that, God, there is a time where time is no longer and that your judgment will come. And God, I do pray for those that are here this morning that, Lord, perhaps have heard about how to be saved and never have, and those that are saved this morning that perhaps are not living, Lord, where you want them to be today. So I do pray that you guide us and bless those that are here this morning, and I pray you would help us to apply what we hear today to our hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Three absolutes in the last days. And there's it's not too many things in this world that you can actually count on. <laughs> not too many things in this world that you can say are absolutely true, especially if anyone's speaking that is a politician. Stock markets uh, are up. Stock market goes down. There's no absolutes there. The Bible talks about money and riches and wealth. It takes wings and, and flies away. There's no certainty in wealth and wealth. And the economy could be uh, uh, could be good tomorrow and, and really, really bad next week we don 't know there's no absolutes there. Uh, the prospects of of, uh, of having the world in one one unified there's one day there's a, uh, going to be a unified government, but the idea that uh, a whole world wants to be uh, at peace with each other that 's not going to happen until the Lord sets that up. but preachers and churches and ministries are continually to drift from the word of God. They're becoming more entertainment centers than God fearing Bible preaching churches. And, and we're, we're more interested in entertaining and tickling people's ears than having, giving them the Word of God. Churches and ministries are changing. Yet, in the midst of all the doubts and all the confusion and all this craziness that we're in and that surrounds us, there is still some things that will not change. There are still some absolutes, and these last days that we're in, and the advent of the internet and all the crazy things that have happened, and the book of Daniel predicted that there'll be uh, people running to and fro, knowledge shall be increased, and there's just, a, there's just an amazing prophecy being fulfilled every day that we live, even the COVID, the Delta variant, and other things that are coming, all predicted uh, in the Bible. But I hold in my hands today a place that I can go to, That tells me exactly what is coming. I hold in my hands today a place where I can know that is absolutely true. This book, as we are going to look at it today, is the pure word of God. I think about Psalm 119, verse 89, where it says, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. And the plaguing question that people have asked all through the centuries, is what is the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? As the disciples asked Jesus Christ that very question, and his response to them in Matthew chapter 24, in addition to all of the other cataclysmic things will be coming to this world, he said about his own word, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. And so this morning we have a copy of God's word in our hand. And every promise that God gave in his word is worthy to be believed. It's worthy to pass on. It's worthy to rest our entire lives and existence on. And so when he promises, he will fulfill that promise. And so number one, what is absolutely certain in the last days? Number one, as we already talked, is the assurance of the scriptures In verse number one, the Bible says, the second epistle, beloved, I I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. Can I stop right there and say it's good for our minds to get stirred? You all with me? It's good for us to once in a while just get our minds stirred up. And the Bible says by way of remembrance. It's good for us to go walk back on the time when we got saved. It's good for us to go back and remember what God did for us and to us. Uh, to get our attention, stirring up our pure minds by way of remembrance. But look in verse number two. It says here that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the what? Holy prophets. Now note here that the holy prophets you'll find mentioned along with and many other places in the New Testament that the prophets were always or typically referenced as Old Testament scripture. Remember, you'll find the phrase the law and the prophets, the law being the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers and Deuteronomy. God used Moses to write the law. And then you have the prophets. You have Isaiah and Jeremiah and Haggai making up the 39 books of the Old Testament. I didn't mention them all. But they're the prophets, they're the, the, the ones that God used. And the Bible says, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. They wrote down the words of God and they have recorded the words of God uh, to a very specific nation, the nation of Israel. So Peter here is writing this epistle and he says, I want you to be mindful of the words which were spoken by the holy prophets. And look at this here. And the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. So watch this. On level ground, Brother Fetter, this isn't wonderful. On level ground with the law and the prophets, the holy prophets, was the apostles. And so the apostles' words were all, if you would, scripture. What they spoke as God allowed them to write became scripture. Amen? Pauline epistles and the revelation that God gave John became scriptures. And we rest our foundation on our spiritual life on scripture. And that's what's referenced here. This is the assurance of what God gives. And so here's Peter. He's speaking to them about how sure the scriptures are. The Bible, as you know, is a perfect book. It's an absolutely, in in the Bible, we use the word infallible. It is without error. It cannot contain error. Anyone that would get behind this pulpit or any pulpit across this, uh, this country and say there are some errors in the Bible does not believe that God can write a perfect book. We believe that. We believe that God gave us an infallible word, uh, inspired word, meaning God breathe this book. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3 that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. God breathed the word of God. God spoke the world into existence by his word. He's going to destroy the world by his word. And he gave us his word by inspiration and then preservation where he actually promised that he would preserve his word. So we believe that old King James Bible this morning is the word of God. It is absolutely perfect. And the Bible says in Psalm 89, it says, says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven It is a book that can be trusted. It's also a prophetic book. You know what's interesting about the word of God? It tells you what's coming before it comes. In fact, throughout the Bible, there are prophecies that that were presented and fulfilled to the T. In fact, just the coming of Jesus Christ, the first advent or the first coming of Christ, which was 2,000 years ago, that coming was predicted over 330 times in the Old Testament. Interestingly, those prophecies came and were fulfilled in the first advent. That's amazing. That's impossible. Mathematically, it's impossible unless God wrote this book. In fact, you'll find his birth. That was predicted to be of a virgin, Isaiah 7 and verse number 14. And that was fulfilled in Bethlehem. His place of birth being the very city of Bethlehem. Predicted in Micah chapter 4 and verse number 2. 5 verse number 2. His, By the way, his humiliation and his death... 3,500 years ago predicted how he was going to be crucified, how he was going to die, where he was going to be crucified, all of that, Isaiah chapter number 53, and on and on. It's a perfect book. It speaks of prophecies. Now you think about this. I'm so glad that I'm born again. (laughs) If anything else, you heard Brother Bruce say, "I'm I'm saved. I'm glad I'm saved. And you ought to be thankful for that. But can I just say this? It is a wonderful thing to be in Christ. It's a wonderful thing to know that when you pillow your head at night, that if something happened that night and you were to leave this world, you go right to be with the Lord. Absent from the body, to be present with the Lord. That new birth, man, that's a blessing. But do you realize that in the New Testament, the new birth is mentioned nine times, nine times. If it's mentioned one time, that's wonderful, but it's mentioned nine times in the New Testament. And we Baptists, man, we are, we're baptizers. We don't baptize people for salvation, but because of salvation. But we're, we're big on it, man. We're big on making sure that that ordinance is something that we hold dear to. The ordinance of baptism. But that's mentioned 20 times in the Bible. And then you find the doctrine of repentance That not only is being silenced today, but it's practically ignored in pulpits today of repent and be saved. You don't hear that today. Repentance is mentioned over 70 times in the New Testament. And so I can go on and on, but 27 books of the New Testament, which is divided into four different sections. You've got the historical section of the New Testament. You have the Pauline epistles, that's the epistles or letters written to churches were written uh, in another, if you would, segment. And you've got the general epistles and then you have prophetic uh, uh, letters or prophetic books. The book of Revelation uh, being a prophetic book and on the entire New Testament, which is 27 books, listen to this, there's over 380 different references to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, if you just look at what the word of God puts emphasis on, yes, it's important that you're saved. Yes, it's important that you're baptized. Yes, it's important that you're, uh, you repented. But do you realize that God is warning us that he's coming back 380 times in the new Testament alone of references of his return prophetic book. It's a book that predicts what is coming and praise God for that. That's the assurance of scripture. And so there are some things this morning you can say, where is truth? Well, you understand the word of God is truth. It's a place of absolute foundational, non-changing Always the same truth. Number two. Verse three. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, watch this next word, scoffers. Now, some words almost define themselves. (laughs) Just the way they sound. Scoff. How many have met a scoffer? A scoffer. One that mocks. Scoffers, scoffers, walking after their own lust and saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continued as they were from the beginning of the creation. Then it says in verse number five, for this, they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water whereby the world that then was, watch this, being overflowed with what? Water, next word, perished. And there's a colon here, those are going to continue what's going to happen, but the heavens and the earth, which are now, okay, right now present, by the same word are kept in store, reserved on the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So note here that what is going to uh, be uh, an absolute truth in the last days is the existence of scoffers. And you'll find in verse number four that there is a question that they ask. The Bible says in saying, where is the promise of his coming? So number one, these scoffers have doubt of what God says would happen will happen. They deny the very reality of the Lord Jesus Christ's return. Where is the promise of his coming? You you Christians, you you talk about this end of the world. You talk about apocalypse and you talk about the last days. You talk about Revelation. You talk about Daniel. And when is it going to come? Because after all, you've got the sun that still rises in the east. It sets in the west. You still have four seasons, summer, winter, fall, spring. You have all of the things are just continuing as they were. So you Christians that believe this, uh, we, 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 think, we think it's ridiculous. In fact, it says they're willingly ignorant. They're saying nothing's changed. Do you realize their whole theory collapses? Their whole, their whole basis collapses on two main points. One of those is found in verse number five and six. It says, for this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Now watch this. There's a f- reference here to a time period whereby the world that was, what well, then was being overflowed with what? Water perished. Now, so God creates Adam and Eve in the garden 6,000 years ago. And from Adam and Eve to Genesis chapter number six and Genesis chapter number seven, you have 2,000 years of human history. From Genesis chapter number 6 up to Malachi, uh, you find approximately 2,000 years of human history. To be more specific, about 1,600 years. Because there's 400 years of silence between the book of Malachi and the advent of Jesus Christ when he came the first time in Bethlehem. From the time Jesus came to this earth until now, we have 2,000 years. So we have 6,000 years of human history. Say, Pastor, how do you know that? How do you know it's 6,000 years old? Because, after all, the scientist tells us that it's billions and trillions of years old. They just add another couple billion years to anything, and you can make any kind of argument you like to make. But you want to know why and how we know that we're 6,000 years of age? very simple. You can take the genealogies of Jesus Christ, which is recorded for us in the book of Matthew, and you can trace back those years to the time of the flood. Then you have Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth are his sons. Then from Noah, back to Enoch, all the way back to Adam. And the Bible is a historical book that gives you numbers and gives you years. And people that have studied this say... That the earth is only based on the lineage and the first Adam, 6,000 years of age. So, they are arguing that the Lord Jesus Christ is not coming back. He is not going to return because everything has continued. No, it hasn't. Because 6,000 years, or rather 4,000 years ago, God destroyed everything in a flood. Hold that thought there. Go to Matthew chapter 24. You're doing great. Matthew 24, New Testament. Old Testament reference here to, uh, uh, in the New Testament is referencing back something that happened in Genesis chapter six. Stay with me here. Verse 38. Watch what Jesus says to the question that was asked, when is the sign of thy coming in the end of the world? Watch verse number 38. For as in the days that were before the what? Okay, now we have a time period. The days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage until the day Noah entered into the what? Ark. Okay, so before the flood, there's a reference to how people lived. They were eating, they were drinking, and they were having marriage and given in marriage. Okay, some of that stuff is normal, right? Just kind of normal life. But the Bible talks about Genesis chapter 6 on how wicked man had become. And then you'll find in verse number 39, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So if you want to know what it's going to be like in the last days, he says, the way it was before the flood, they were eating, drinking, and given in marriage, everything normal. But there was one guy that was preaching something different. This guy by the name of Noah, Genesis chapter 6, describes him as a preacher of righteousness. So in addition to a building project of 120 year building an ark, he preached the judgment of God to a very wicked world. And they were eating and they were drinking. And they were given a marriage and they were thinking to themselves, this guy has lost his marbles. He's, he's off the rocker. They did that until the flood came. And then the wording here that Jesus, Jesus used, they were taken all away. Then it says this, so shall also the coming of the son of man be. So he says, the way it was then before the flood is the way it will be before I come on the second time. And so you'll find here what is going to be absolutely true in the last days. One is the word of God is going to be always true. Number two, you're going to have scoffers, mockers of God. They're going to, to deny the very person of Jesus Christ. Watch what it says in verse number four, back in our text here in 2 Peter 3. Watch the phrase here. Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continued as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this, they are willingly ignorant of, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old. Now, according to verse number six, God has already judged the world one time. They didn't get that. So according to verse number six, the flood was already a massive demonstration of the power of God's word. Because in in fact, it says in verse number five, that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. So whatever the ecosystem was like in this 2,000 years of human history. It was like that because of God's word. He kept it like that. And he spoke the word and a flood came. And everyone but eight people in this world were killed, carried away. The Bible uses the word phrase carried away. This by five says they willingly, they are willingly ignorant of that by the word of God, the heavens were of old whereby the world that was, that then was being overflowed with water perished. Now look at verse number seven, but the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same, what word are kept in what? Okay. So whatever God did to keep the system Working in the Old Testament, rather, in Genesis 1 through Genesis chapter 6, it was done by his word. But here, where we're at today, the same word is keeping everything, so to speak, together. Amen? Take a deep breath. Let it out. Do it again. Let it out. Do you realize you just inhaled explosive explosive gases you just did in, fa- in fact now, now we didn't recently release anything in the building right now but <laughs> <laughs> but i want to show you that what we're going to what they're going to see in the future and think about this every breath we take is filled with a, these highly highly flammable explosive gases, every one of them, every time we take a breath. But they're not right now. In fact, we need it. You put your hand over my mouth, I'm going to look looking to find a way to breathe. And people don't like it when I don't breathe. We found that out in Israel. I don't know why I said that, brother. We had to bring it up with the whole, I lost my breath out there because I was out of shape. Anyway, but the water that we have, 75%, of the earth's surface is composed of water, whether it's gas form or or liquid. And it's explosive, it's volatile when it's separated. In fact, oxygen oxygen is required for all combustion. It feeds a fire. Without oxygen, you don't have a fire. Any firefighter knows this. Anyone knows this. A fire, can, it, can fl- it can flame a, f- a fire and, and cause a massive explosion with the right oxygen. We breathe that every day. We we take in nit- nitrogen. Nitrogen also very necessary. We have chemists here that could speak more eloquently on this stuff. But nitrogen is a component that makes up dynamite. TNT is made of nitroglycerin. Nitroglycerin is an explosive. And yet every day we got masses of quality, quantities of nitrogen in the air. We breathe. We take it in and we let it out. God allows us to use that today. But it's kept in store for something else. I had three eggs this morning and salt and pepper. I got the sodium chloride out of the, out of the cupboard and I put that salt on there and my body is going to take that sodium chloride and break down the sodium in that and use it for my body. I was on YouTube last night looking up how to do that. Very fun. My son took chemistry in pre-med and he was kind of working me through some of what sodium is, and sodium, if you just take sodium, it's very unstable. In fact, you could take a block of sodium and throw it in the Blanchard River, and you'll probably have to call the fire department. A massive explosion with sodium and water, very unstable. They actually have to, have to take sodium and put it in oil or kerosene to keep it from, uh, from exploding. It's, it's very toxic, very explosive. Sodium, we eat it all the time. Water is composed of oxygen and hydrogen. Both chemicals are extremely explosive. Yet when they are combined, uh, it it makes them all safe. And and God has to do as he he does as he speaks the world and the chemistry. And the arrangements are altered in such a way that if it's moved in any way, we have a massive fireball. You ever think about this? If I were to get into an elevator and push 14 miles down or 20 miles down, I would be in the middle of a molten lava. 14 miles. 15 miles. I don't know what it is for the lava to, in, in Ohio, but it's, it's about 15 to 20 miles. And from here to Bowling Green down, we're on a, we're on a molten lava base. Make you feel comfortable today. The entire world... Eight billion people exist on this little shell called the crust. And we live and we breathe and we take the oxygen and we drink the water. Yet at any moment, everything that we have can be altered and changed, but it's kept in store by the word of God. Look at verse 7. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word, Are kept in store. What does that mean? It's contained. And I praise God that God contains that. But he says in the same verse. Reserved unto what? Fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. So here we find a very interesting reference to what is going to come. In fact... (laughs) <laughs> this, uh, this whole idea of there's no God and where's the promise of his coming and all the scoffing that goes on in the last days, there's a reason for that too. And the reason is because of verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a what? Into which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements shall melt with what? Fervent heat we just gave you a few elements today that are going to melt this is a scientific word used in our bibles to show us what's coming in the future elements shall melt with fervent heat and the earth also and all the works that are therein shall be the phrase here burned up now we know this it is in the sinners temporarily best interest, if that's the word there, temporary best interest to deny the existence of a holy God. Temporarily. Why? Romans 1 spells this out. The Bible says in the book of Romans that God gives them up, gives them up, and gives them over. When he gets them over to a reprobate mind, it's because God is through. The Bible says they hold the truth in unrighteousness. They don't want God. They don't want to retain God in their knowledge. God gives them up to uncleanness. God gives them up to lasciviousness. God gives them over to a reprobate mind. To do those things which are not convenient. Watch this. For a sinner that doesn't want anything to do with God, they have to excuse their sin by saying there is no God. And if there's no God, then there's no judgment. And if there's no judgment, I can do what I want. That's why you have he done which says, let's eat, let's drink, and let's be merry, for tomorrow we die. So, it isn't a sinner's temporary advantage to undermine the authority of God's word and just say there's no God. Why? Because they don't want to face him. But, if we admit that there is a God, then there is a verse number 10 must be dealt with. If there is a God, then there is a judgment. Why? Because he is a holy God. And there is a day of reckoning. Hollywood has tried to fight this all through their existence. From the 1920s all the way through. Every time they try to put a movie out that shows the bad guy winning, it doesn't settle well. You know why? Because God, the Bible says (laughs) that God manifests himself in all of us. Romans 1. The heavens declare the glory of God. We understand the world was formed by God. And even the lost person is upset when justice is not served. They can't settle. No. That rapist should have got punished. And that murderer should have got punished. And every time they try to make the bad guy win, it doesn't sell because it doesn't settle well. In the heart of every human being is this want of justice. And there's a reason for that because the ultimate judge who is holy, God, is going to judge the world. Everything's moving to judgment. I mentioned this a couple of years ago. People will be judged. Nations will be judged. Satan will be judged. Everything has to go to Judgment. The lost persons judge judged at the great white throne. Judgment, the saved, the believer, are judged at the uh, bema seat, the judgment seat of Christ, not to lose your salvation, but for the loss or the gain of reward. But everything, mu- everything must be judged. And you'll find here, these scoffers want nothing to do with God. And he's warning them, verse 10 is coming. So, in the last days... Note, there's a place that you can go where the word of God is, is a place of truth. The word of God. The ignorance of scoffers will be in the last days. But going back to what Brother Bruce was saying, you'll find here in verse number 8 and 9. Love, I love this. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. That doesn't make sense. That that math doesn't work, does it? You got one, one day is a thousand years, a thousand years is one day. How do you reconcile that? Well, God, it says to God, okay, which is in heaven and we're in earth and we can live 1,000 years. We have 1,000 years of human history. God says to me, it's like one day, one day. Now, this is where it gets really wild. God created the earth in six days and rested on the what? Seventh, Seventh okay? So we have six thousand years of human history. We're at the end of the 6,000 year right now, okay, from the time of creation to now. And some point in the future, there's going to be a world war. It's called Armageddon. But that doesn't happen until after a seven-year tribulation period. So you back off that seven-year tribulation period, which is Uh, before the rapture of the church, rather, after the rapture of the church, we're taken out, tribulation period starts, and then we have a new heaven and a new earth, which is 1,000 years. And God rested on the seventh day. So if you just follow that logical pattern, starting from Genesis chapter 1 to where we're at today, we have 6,000 years of human history, and there's another 1,000 years in the future that is going to be a time of peace. You know, John Lennon wrote that song, Imagine, (laughs) a godless attempt to bring in what God will bring in when he sets up his kingdom. The brotherhood of man will not bring in the peace of God. The kingdom of Jesus Christ will bring in the kingdom. And He will set up his kingdom for a 1,000 years, and the lion will lay down with a calf. That doesn't happen today. A child will be able to play with a snake. Even adults don't like doing that. <laughs> Watch some of these YouTubers, they're snake handlers, man, forget that. That's why we will never be a snake-handling Baptist church, amen? <laughs> Although sometimes from Tawa Tree, when they, they, they find their way in here, and the cleaners of the church are snake-handlers, Carol Foltz, um, she finds one or, one or two once in a while. There may be one slithering around your feet right now as we speak. I don't know. I'm kidding. Hopefully. But there is a pattern here, and no matter how much they try to deny it, the ignorance of the scoffers will one day end, and the Lord Jesus Christ will set up his kingdom. It's reality. But the last part of this thought here, and I've just got a couple of minutes, is that God has promised something that you ought to thank him for. Diane gave a testimony on Wednesday night. She got saved 22 years ago, if I remember correctly, 22 years ago. And she thanked, 23? 27 years ago. And she thanked God that Jesus did not come 28 years ago. Now listen, I don't know about you, but the patience of God today, I don't understand. I mean, after an election process that we went through, I'm thinking, Lord, right now is a good time for you to come back. I'd be okay with that. After what we see in our world, any one of us would assume that this is got to be the time where the Lord's going to return and get us out of here. But verse 8 says, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing. Verse 9, the Lord is not slack inserting his promise, as men, some men count slackness. But it's long-suffering, Amen. to usward, not willing that any should perish. Amen. But they all come to repentance. You know what's on the heart of God right now more than anything else. He wants people saved. Amen. That's right. He wants people saved. Why? He's punctual. <laughs> He's not slack. He's not late. We use the word Terry. He's not late. He's punctual. But God is a God of order. He's a God of punctuality. He is by the numbers. And men look at this as supposed delay and wonder why he hasn't come. The answer is very simple. He's long-suffering, patient. He waits. Maybe there's someone up at that football team, Brother Chris, that's going to get saved on Thursday. I don't know. Maybe there's someone here this morning that for the, the, you've been given time after time after time of God showing grace, and, and you're running out of time. The Bible's clear. It is high time that we, God's people, wake out of sleep. Why? Because it's appointed unto man once to die. After this, the judgment is not God's design. It's not his desire to see anyone perish. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all come to repentance. Every one of his created people to get saved. I don't know if I were in heaven right now, I could imagine Michael the archangel has got his lips on that trumpet. and Jesus Christ is ready to come. Is it yet? The only one that knows is God. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. It's been six days in heaven. Six days. Father, it's it's almost the seventh day, I know. The seventh day we're going to be resting. Yes, I know. A little longer. A little longer. Give more time. But one time, the time will be no more. And God will say, okay. Let's go go get your bride. Oh, what a day that'll be. So with all this in mind, I think a good question for us to ask ourselves this morning is are you ready to meet God? Are you surrendered to his will in your life? Or or is it one of those things you just do a weekend activity? I call it checking the box. You check your religious box for the Sunday activities of the of the week or Is he your God? Do you serve him faithfully? Because he's returning. And when he returns, the question is very clear. Will I find faith? So what is absolutely true in the last days is that we have a place. We have truth. Word of God. We have the existence of scoffers. We have the patience of God. And one day the patience will end. And though the Lord had started the earth by creation, not a big, big bang, it will end with a big bang. Yeah. His word is holding everything together. But that word can change. And the oxygen becomes separate from the nitrogen and the nitrogen becomes separate, and the sodium separates from the chloride, and now we have a fireball. You ought to run to Jesus if you're not saved today. <laughs> you ought to run to him because everything can change right now. You're only 14 miles of a real problem right underneath us. Get saved.